0: Well, praise the Lord. Feel like I haven't seen y'all on a Wednesday night since last year. Yeah, you're not getting this kind of humor down the road. We love the Whitemans because the Bible says we have to. <laughs> Amen. Philippians chapter three tonight. Tim, thank you for preaching a couple of Wednesdays ago. Great job giving us thoughts from Psalm 51. And I want to thank Tyler Brock, who is sick, for preaching last week and talking about mercy and truth t- being uh, met together. And so um, it's a blessing to have preachers in our congregation. It really is. I'm thankful for everyone in our, our church. I'm Thankful for the many who serve every week, week in, week out, that make our church function um, in various capacities. And it's a comfort to know that the church doesn't depend on me. Um, When I'm not here, I know everything's handled reverently and everything's being accomplished. And I can't tell you what a blessing that is. I've known preachers who, for years, have not been able to leave because everything seems to depend on them. And they don't even get to go visit their family, and that's a shame. And it's no wonder that so many, so few ministers retire still in the pulpit. Um, but anyway, what a blessing here. We, we have something that we should not take for granted. Um, and I'm thankful that you have learned not to be faithful to a man, but faithful to God. And that's why you're here. And uh, thank you for your prayers, your support, your service. God's been good to us. Philippians chapter 3, let's read verses uh, 17. We'll actually read into verse 1 of chapter 4. The Bible says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. So we'll pick up where we left off in verse 20 here in just a moment. But first, let's try to recap very quickly verses 17 through 19. Remember in verse 17, Paul was so certain that he was on the right track following the Lord that he could encourage others just to follow him. And if they would follow him as he was following Christ, then they would end up at the same place. And I think that's a lesson for us to live our lives in such a way that others can follow our example and and we can bring them along in the faith, we can disciple them, and they can follow us and model how we live our Christian life because we're all supposed to be pressing toward the same mark the same prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then we should be living that way so we can tell others, follow me. And if you follow me, you will be on the right track. I was thinking how um, people give up on God. Families fall apart. They, they give up and s- kind of shake their fist at God in a way. And, and you know, I, I want to look at them sometimes and just say, um, there's a reason our family is still together. There's a reason why we're still happily married after twenty five years. And so don't and 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 it's like you almost gotta fight getting in the flesh, because I want to say, don't you blame God for your family falling apart. Because I'm I'm a living example that there's you live for God, you'll have a good home life. Well, I'm done with God, I'm done with all that stuff. Why are you done? All you're proving is that you not living for God is what's causing your problems. No. All right, I don't know why I'm on this kick. Let's just live our lives to model so others can follow. Um, and, and Paul here, he encourages them, find somebody who, if, if I'm not around, he's saying basically, find somebody that you've seen walk like I do and mark them and follow them. And so it's okay to, to follow people so long as they're following the Lord. Uh, And I think we sometimes have overpreached the idea that we don't dare follow a man. Well, yes, we understand that there's one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, but Paul was very clear in his writings, follow me. And so it's okay. Find those that know how to walk with God, they've learned to walk with God themselves, and ask them. You know, it's like having a mentor in the faith, somebody that can help you along. There's nothing wrong with that. And the reason why it's important is we saw last time this parenthetical statement in verses 18 and 19 where we need followable Christians because if we don't get them to follow the right path, there's other groups out there that will gladly gobble them up and have them follow them. And so we need to be living right ourselves. And we talked about how you can spot the fakes by how they live. They live for themselves. They live for earthly things. Their God is their, their self and their religion is humanism. Meanwhile, those who are the true children of God, they've learned to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow the Lord even in the face of persecution. You can spot those who are truly walking and those who are only faking it. There was a lot more we covered. If you missed it, please go back and listen You'll get more, more details, amen. Uh, now let's move on to verse 20 tonight. Paul, after stating this, he says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So after talking to them about those who live for themselves, who are minding earthly things, Paul now, in, he contrasts that way of living with those who are the children of God, by saying, our conversation is in heaven. Well, what does that mean? Well, conversation in your King James Bible doesn't mean our speech, although our speech would certainly be included in what conversation means. Conversation most commonly means our way of life. It never in our King James Bible refers to what our speech is. So when Paul here says our conversation is in heaven, he's actually going even further than saying our way of life, but he is saying our citizenship is in heaven. It's unique to this verse. Uh, It's the only time that this particular Greek word is used for conversation. And so our citizenship is in heaven. What a blessing. It's similar to how it's used in Philippians 1.27, where Paul wrote over there, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He was saying over in chapter 1 that we ought to behave like we're citizens of the gospel. Like we've been saved. Like we've been born again. Don't forget the name on the back of the jersey, amen? Don't forget you're a Brooks. It's good to have all four kids in the front row again. Praise the Lord. Uh, Grant, thank you for being sick tonight. And, uh, And so... Okay, that's terrible. We are being told our actual citizenship is in heaven. (laughs) The more we grow in our faith, the easier it becomes to understand all this. But when we are younger, we aren't always mature enough to live with eternity in view. We still think about what this life has for us. The older we get, the more we begin to grasp just how brief this life is. James 4.14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. Psalm 39.5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and my age is nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. Psalm 89 verse 47. Remember how short my time is. Psalm 102 and verse 3. For my days are consumed like smoke. And my bones are burned as an hearth. First Peter 1 For all flesh is as grass. In all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away. That's our life. How encouraging to be in church tonight. We, we're told our life is like a vapor. It's like the morning fog that burns away by 10 a.m. It's like the dew on the grass and it's gone. It's as short as a hand breath. Our time is short. Our days are like smoke rising up from the fire. You can see it for a little bit and then it's dispersed to the point where you can no longer see it. The grass withers, the flower falls, and so our life passes away quickly. Psalm 90 and verse 10, "...the days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow..." For it is soon cut off and we fly away. The Bible teaches that on average our life is going to be 70 to 80 years. In America, a man's life expectancy is 76.1 years of age. A woman's life expectancy is 81.1 years of age. Five years longer and I won't get into the reasons why tonight. But these are only averages and we're told that now that COVID has taken its toll on our elderly that all of these numbers are going to drop. There's an expiration date on our life. Only God knows that day and hour. Our birth certificate tells us when we were born, but it does not tell us when we will die. And it is the, the brevity of life, the shortness of our life, which is meant to cause us to get serious about eternity. Deuteronomy 32, 29, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. Psalm 39, 4, Lord, make me to know mine end, the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Psalm 90 and verse 12, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So the Bible encourages us to live our life with more than just this life in mind. We are taught to live with the understanding that we're just passing through this life. As children of God, our spiritual citizenship isn't upon this earth. Physically, we may be Americans and maybe South Dakotans, but... Our citizenship ultimately lies in heaven. And because of this, we are not to mind earthly things. We are to mind heavenly things. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Hebrews 13, 14, For we have... For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. People move to this area looking for freedom. We're the freest state in the union. People are moving here. They're probably shocked by the, you know, minus 35 <laughs> windchill today, but uh, they're moving here nonetheless. And what are they looking for? They're looking for a place of freedom, of peace. I'm glad they're coming, but we have no continuing city here. There is no place to move. The earth has been mapped. There's nowhere else to go. We have nothing upon this earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? And our life is so short. Why do we get so caught up on the things of this earth? We don't even have a city here that we can call our own. But we seek one to come. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. As God's children, we are just strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Our citizenship is not here. We are ambassadors living in a foreign land. We are only sojourners. Hebrews eleven nine 9 and 10, by faith, He, speaking of Abraham, sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So what we seek for, it's not found on this earth. We have no continuing city, but we're looking for that new Jerusalem, that heavenly city that God's children will one day inherit. We have a better country. We have a heavenly country. We have a place awaiting for us which God has built and not man. What a day that's going to be. John 14, 1-3, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am there, ye may be also. And because our citizenship is in heaven, our sovereign is not upon this earth. Paul goes on to write in the second half here of verse 20, From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our King is not an earthly King. We are under earthly authorities. We understand all that. But ultimately, our King, our Sovereign is Jesus Christ, who is in glory. So, we have nothing upon this earth to keep us here. So why do we labor so much for the things of this earth? Our citizenship is not even here. Why do we spend so much time minding earthly things? If we understand that our citizenship is in heaven and that Christ is our King in heaven, then why do we struggle so much in making the right spiritual decisions? It's because we mind earthly things. You see, if we would all get a hold of this truth tonight, then it would help us immensely when it comes to decisions that we're faced with in life. Before taking a job somewhere for financial gain in another location, we would consider if where we're already at is where God wants us to be. Do you hear what I'm saying? We would, would we choose our church over a financial gain if we knew we were where God wanted us church-wise? There are some in our church, I know for a fact, they have turned down promotions because they want their family in this church. And they've turned down moving somewhere else to get more money, to stay in a good environment for their family. If we are in the church which is best for our family's spiritual development and growth, then don't place earthly gains ahead of that. Now, if you're confident you'll be able to enter into another healthy church environment, then make all the money you can. I'm just um, even. Do what God wants you to do. When you're minding earthly things, you will make earthly decisions. But when you are mindful that your residency is not upon this earth, then you'll make heavenly-minded decisions. When you're not minding earthly things, church becomes a priority. Amen, preacher. You will go to your employer and ask for those service times off. When you are heavenly-minded, the Word of God becomes a priority. When you are heavenly-minded the spiritual development of your family becomes a priority. When you're heavenly minded, you always place the spiritual ahead of the material. I've yet to see a marriage fall apart where both the husband and wife were minding spiritual things. But every marriage which I have seen dissolve has been where one or both spouses have started to mind earthly things and made themselves their own God. Because what I want is more important than what you want. Or maybe what you need. And I'm just saying, if you'll learn this world is not your home, then you will get your heart off of the things of this world which only destroy your walk with God. And you'll get your heart set upon eternity and you'll learn to die to yourself. Once you realize this world is not your home, you will begin to invest in eternity. Adrian Rogers used to say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Matthew 6, 19-21, lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Just follow your money and you'll see where your heart is. Now for me personally, our text is such an encouragement Because as I watch this world fall apart, I'm comforted knowing this is not all there is for the child of God. There's more. We have something far better in store. And it really has helped me, and I I really needed help with this. My family will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But I needed help with some of my earthly desires and ambitions and and when i understand that my time on this earth is short why do i even chase after those things yeah it would have been nice but what is that in light of eternity so are you living like a citizen of heaven are you making your life count for eternity do you hear me tonight Are you laying up treasures in heaven? Are you seeking for that heavenly country and city? You get one shot at this life. If your eyes fixed upon that goal, keep pressing toward the mark because it is from this heavenly country where we look for Christ to return one day. And so we also learn in verse 20 that Jesus is coming again. Or else why would we be told to be looking for Him? Verse 21 If you'll look there, look at what happens when he does return. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself? We not only have a better country and city in store, but hey, we have a better body in store. There's a chair turned around to prop up a broken foot or something. Look, we get a better body one day. What a blessing. This sin-ridden body will be replaced with a glorious body. Now, how is that possible? Because the verse says, Christ has subdued all things unto himself. He has all power. Um, I didn't realize when I prepared Brother Cowden's funeral, because it had been a couple of Wednesdays since we met in Philippians, just how this was going to go right together with that. Um, but if you knew Jeff, then you watched as Parkinson's disease just wreaked havoc on his body. And he went from a man that could do what he wanted to do, to a man who couldn't do what he wanted to do. And just shaking to even get food up to your mouth. And how sad it was to watch this body deteriorate. Second Corinthians 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. These bodies will break down. Some of you are wearing glasses already. Your body is dying. Some of you are grayer than you appear. (laughs) Your body is dying. Our bodies break down. But we have a new body awaiting. Paul wrote how these bodies are sown a natural body in mortality, in corruption, in dishonor, and in weakness. But the day is coming when we will all be raised a spiritual body in immortality, in, in corruption, in glory, and we are told it will be raised in power. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. On the Mount of Transfiguration, in Matthew's account, it says of Jesus that His face did shine as the sun, and His raiment was white as the light. In Luke's account, it says Jesus' countenance was altered. In Mark's account, it says His raiment was exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth could white them. And this is what we have to look forward to one day. We will be changed into the likeness of... Of our Savior. We will be glorified as He has been glorified. This broken down body will be done away with. Sin's curse will be over. First Corinthians fifteen forty nine. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Why does it have to be this way? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We need a new body. Corruption cannot inherit incorruption. Amen. Therefore, our Lord will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. And He is able to do so because He has swallowed death up in victory. And knowing all that is in store for the child of God, why would we want to mind earthly things? This is essentially what Paul is saying here in the beginning of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. Paul says, therefore, or in light of what He has just given us, therefore stand fast in the Lord. Don't give up. Don't go backwards. Don't give up ground. You stand fast. You stay with it. You stay faithful. You keep reading your Bible. You keep leading people to the Lord. You stay faithful to church. Why? Because there is a better day coming. And we're all pressing toward that mark. And the closer we live to God, the better that transition's gonna be. Some people are gonna be freaked out when they get to heaven and realize it's okay to raise your hands, it's okay to say amen, it's okay to sing with a smile on your face. There might be a class just for those grumpy Gusses. This is how you actually behave in heaven. Don't know why I went there, but don't give up, don't give in. We have eternal life. 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18 For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal." So in closing tonight, live with eternity in view. Remember that your citizenship isn't here. I'm so blessed to live in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I mean that. But this is not my my last stop. We have something far better. It's a better country. It's a better city. Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Just stay with it. Stay faithful. There's much more than this life has to offer. Lay up treasures in heaven and not treasures upon this earth. You're already another hour closer to your eternal destination than when you entered in here tonight. Make your life count for God, it's going fast. By the time you add your commute, you're probably two hours deader. <laughs> Happy New Year. Uh, but may we all hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray.